Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Heather, we are at episode 31, like Baskin Robbins today. Yay. And there's some uh, chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, man, I would love some mint chocolate chip or some of that Reese peanut butter mixed mm. into vanilla. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. Have you ever owned a fidget toy? I don't think so. Do you know what they are? Yeah, I just don't think I've owned one. So, so they were real popular probably maybe eight or ten years ago. Yeah, the fidget spinners. The fidget spinners. And... They're actually still a thing. They are? The, the bubble pop The pop thing. ones, yeah. yes. I don't think I ever bought a fidget toy, but I think I got them as like giveaways, tchotchkes yeah. that companies would give away. But I remember when I used to be at my job, full, my full-time corporate job, and we would have meetings... I would constantly be playing with some kind of fidget toy that was mm-hmm. on my desk because I was just not necessarily yeah. nervous, but I just was like, let's go, let's get this meeting rolling. So apparently fidget toys are very, very good if you deal with worry and anxiety. They're good for you like if you're in a, in a bad situation yeah. to be playing with the fidget toy. They've given it to kids that like have issues with ADHD and such like that. My grandma had in her purse a worry stone you seen those? They're like I a had, flat. My mom had one. They're yeah. flat with like a little thumbprint. Uh-huh. And yeah. you just rub it. Yeah. My mm-hmm. mom had one of those as well. So that kind of leads, seg- it segues into our topic today. So Heather, why don't you explain what our topic is? Well, we thought an obvious topic today is worry and anxiety, which we hear a lot about in our culture because it seems like everyone you know, including yourself, is dealing with some level of worry and anxiety. And we've, and even if you aren't struggling with that right now there's probably been a point in your life where you have or a time when you've been very stressed about something so we thought this topic would be very relatable and you and I both we've struggled with anxiety at Mm -hmm. different points of time so that's what we're going to talk about today but we would like to make a disclaimer as we talk about this that neither one of us are professional counselors or biblical counselors what we're sharing is our opinion and if we say something you don't agree with we're not intending to offend anyone what we say here but this is just our opinion so it's not prescriptive yeah we're not here to diagnose your issues or tell you what you should do but we i think we want to come at this from a biblical perspective Mm -hmm. so we're just going to give you our thoughts Mm -hmm on what the Bible says about worry and anxiety and how do you deal with it as a Christian. So talking about it from a Christian perspective, how do you handle it? We will explain, as we usually do, we'll get more into what our one single thought actually means, but our one single thought is something that you and I say to each other all the time. Yes. Which is, you don't got this. You don't got this. Which seems ridiculously stupid, but that's... (laughs) (laughs) what it is especially when you hear the drumbeat of our culture telling you constantly that you got this we are going to challenge that thought with you don't got this that's right we're going to begin with just your basic general definition of worry and anxiety maybe what the clinical definition is what are the differences between those so when we hear that today 
in our society and our culture on TV and movies and books when you hear worry and anxiety. Rose, what does that mean? When you hear about this in general, in the general pop, the general population, we can define worry as, as something that's usually and normally short term. So when you're worried about something, it is something that is not going to last forever. Now, an example of that would be we were worried about COVID-19. Now, honestly, that lasted longer than any of us had wanted or expected. But when, when you're in a situation when you're worrying, it prods you to problem solve. In the case of, let's say, your car breaks down, as an example, you're going to worry about how am I going to get my car fixed. But you also jump into the, the next phase of, okay, how do I get it fixed? Mm -hmm. And you might worry along the way, who's going to fix it? How much is it going to cost? But when we think about anxiety, anxiety is persistent. I mean, even when, like, your concerns are unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So anxiety is long-term. So it might be that you have a constant feeling of anxiety, let's say, because maybe you're a parent and you have a child who is recently driving. Mm -hmm. Well, you worry about them. But maybe you have a teenager who you're just constantly anxious about everything they're, that they're having to deal with. No matter if that's at school, at, at church, wherever, you may experience a lot of anxiety because it's just it's persistent. It's ongoing. And worry is usually temporary and anxiety is longstanding. So when you think about it from a world's perspective, that's typically how we see worry and anxiety. So you'd say anxiety would be a state that you're in. So you're just yes. constantly on edge and you really can't pinpoint why. Yes. Yes. And it could be a multitude of things. So let's say you have to go back to the teenager example, you have a teenager, maybe there's financial strains in the family. Maybe there might be five or six things, but because of those, you, you're in a constant state. Or you're anxiety. just af afraid for no reason yes. that you can't even identify. Yes, absolutely. There could be anxiety can be brought on by no, no existential angst. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So that's sort of what you see when you look at what the world sees uh, as worry and anxiety. And I think it's very realistic there, you know, that's the way we would define it. But Heather, let's see what, what does the Bible say about worry and anxiety? From what I've read, and again, I'm not a Greek scholar here, so I'll mm -hmm. throw that out. But from what I've looked at in scripture, it seems like anxiety, the terms anxiety and worry in English are used interchangeably in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And they go back to one word. And again, I have not studied Greek, so I have not done, you know, I, I'm sure someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm, I don't know if there's other terms for anxiety or worry that mean differently in Greek. But... I'm going to just pull from two examples. So Matthew 6, 34 is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it, he says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And in that, that is part of a larger context where Jesus is talking about not worrying about your life, about what how you're going to feed yourself, clothe yourself. And if you think about the context that he was in with people who were basically living from day to day. They didn't really know 
what tomorrow was going to hold literally in terms of what they were going to be able to eat or the clothes that they would wear. They were under Roman oppression. So he's telling them not to worry about that. That verse 34 falls into context with that. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow. So that is a, the word worry in English seems to refer to all these circumstantial things that they're stressed over or worried about. But it's also contributing to that larger feeling of anxiety. I'm sure they had if they didn't know about where the next meal was going to come from or how they would clothe themselves and all of that. Well, another example is Philippians 4, 6, which most people have heard. Or Paul says to the Philippians, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And other translations use the word anxious there. Do not be anxious for anything. So that the English is used interchangeably in those two verses. And that's because it goes back to one Greek root word, which I think is pronounced merimnao. And if you know Greek, don't write me hate mail. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at it, but, uh, the, the, the meaning for that word is to be anxious or to care for. Another one is another part of that is to be distracted or scattered. Those two words in English are coming from the same root word in Greek, which means to be distracted with anxiety. Uh-huh. I think from what I've understood, and read and you can google verses on anxiety and you will get all kinds of there's many many verses in the bible about being anxious and worry and the theme is constant that if you are a follower of christ we are not to to worry we we are not to be anxious we are not to worry we are to put our trust in the lord now if you read through psalms you're going to see a lot of anxiety there because David was constantly being hunted down by Saul. He was facing enemies. There, he was under a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, and you mm-hmm. see that constantly. So as human beings, we're all going to experience worry and anxiety. Where it becomes sinful is when we let that become all-consuming and we don't trust in the Lord. There's a gray area from where anxiety is an emotion you have and it crosses over into being sinful it's kind of hard to figure out where that is we will get to that a little bit more in a few minutes but we are told in especially in the new testament that we are not to worry we are not to be anxious for anything we are to turn to jesus with our worries and our concerns we are to cast our cares upon him that's in first peter and in John 14, Jesus talks about, uh, he, he speaks of comfort to his disciples. They're about to face the worst thing imaginable by watching Jesus die on a cross. He knows they're about to go through this. They're also about to face intense persecution for being his followers. But he's speaking comfort to them and t- telling them not to worry, to trust him, not to let their hearts be troubled. He is their peace, and he leaves with them, with us as believers. The Holy Spirit, he was there to comfort us. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, who tradition says was the greatest Christian who ever lived, even he faced difficulty 
He faced people who were out to kill him. He was shipwrecked. He went through all kinds of ailments. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9, Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. And he talks about how he had this mess. He calls it a thorn in the flesh or a messenger of Satan. We don't really know what he was talking about for sure. But he prayed because it was tormenting him. So tormenting leads you to believe some level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. He prays that the Lord will take it away. The Lord says no because this is used to strengthen you. Paul quotes the Lord by saying, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So Paul, he's going through this time of suffering, and he learns from it. And instead of relishing that that anxiety and, and languishing there, he turns to Christ and decides he will boast about the weaknesses that he's experiencing. We can learn from Scripture. We can learn from all the people in the Bible who suffered stressful times and anxious times who dealt with anxiety who dealt with those intense feelings of dread the answer from a biblical perspective is to turn to the lord and we'll we're going to impact more in a minute but rose i i mentioned this earlier but there is a line there where the feelings of worry do cross into sin is there a way we can determine that Yes, and as you mentioned, you need to keep in mind that basic worry and anxiety are not sins. We're, we're human, we're human creatures that are sinners, and we're going to worry, we're going to have anxiety, it, it's going to happen. Paul, as you mentioned, the greatest evangelist and Christian and tradition we say that ever lived, he, he dealt with it, but he always countered it with, Things that we read in scripture, such as he wrote to the Philippians, God will give you the peace that passes all understanding. So if we worry, just worrying and having anxiety is not a sin. But when it becomes a sin is when we allow it to dictate and control our lives. When it becomes the thing that we, we, we put above everything else. If you are constantly in a state of worry or anxiety, and we mentioned earlier, worry is often looked at as temporary, but anxiety is, is what the what the continual emotion is. If you allow that to be the controller of your life, then that's when it crosses over into sin. So I want to read Matthew 6, 31-33. And Jesus says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. I thought it was interesting, Heather, when you said that the original Greek word encapsulates the definition of distracted. And when I read this passage in Matthew, what what I think about is Jesus is saying, you know, you're worrying about what you're going to eat. You're worrying about what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, all those things. But then he says, your Heavenly Father knows what you need and when you need them. And he points them back to seeking God first. And so I think that really makes a lot of sense when we think about the original root of that, of that word of, of worry and anxiety in Scripture. is Part of that definition is being distracted. And I think that includes, to me, 
when we keep our when we don't keep our eyes on Jesus and we're 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 distracted, we are going to struggle more with worry and anxiety. And really the bottom line is worry and anxiety is simply a failure to trust God. If we're trusting God, you can't trust God and worry at the same time. You can't trust God fully and be anxious at the same time. And so we need to remember that failing to trust God is a sin. And so that's when worry and anxiety can cross over into that so sin. So what would be an example of a worry that's not necessarily sinful in the moment? And then what is an example of worry that has become sinful i would say that for i'll use so let me use some examples let's say your car breaks down on the side of the road obviously you're going to worry you're going to worry that i'm on the side of the road i don't want to get a hitch you need to call for help whether that's AAA or a friend or mm. service shop whatever whatever you do and that happens and i think in that moment when it happens it, it's not a sin to worry because you're you're in a compromised situation. But I think what happens is if you, let's say the car gets towed and they're working on it and you're having to work on getting transportation places mm -hmm. or whatever that might be and you are just a basket case while that car is being fixed because you allow it to be controlling your mind, your thoughts, mm -hmm. your life. How would you respond differently that's not sinful is that, yes, in that moment you're going to worry. And you're going to have moments of worry while the car is being fixed if you don't know what's wrong with it or how much it's going to cost. But you don't allow it to consume your, your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. And you take time then to pray. I think about Paul's example when he talked about not being anxious about anything, but in everything raising that up to the Lord mm -hmm. in prayer and he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. I look at that passage from Philippians and I think Paul sets a course for how we handle things. So if he's saying, don't be anxious about anything, that's presuming you're going to be anxious about something. Yeah. And he's telling us, he was telling the Philippian church, don't be anxious about anything. Then he, he moves into what do we do? We pray. We give it up to the Lord. And then he will give us a peace. So if you never leave, if you never leave that first step and you let that worry and anxiety become all your, all consuming in your life, that's when it becomes a sin. And this is where we start to get into the murky area. But I think when you have that constant state of anxiety where you really can't pinpoint what's causing it at the moment. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a gray area. Cause when you, when you have that constant state of anxiety where you're, you're constantly think, feeling anxious, you don't really know why. And everything that happens in your life, it, it constantly sets you into this anxious spot where you're just worried about everything. There can be two different things going on. Either you have some kind of medical issue, a clinical issue, because I will agree. And I, again, we are not professionals here. We're just uh -huh. opinions, sharing our opinions. I will say there are people that, that have a medical, a clinical thing going on within their brain that is causing them to be more anxious and that maybe medication is needed or therapy counseling that kind of thing 
But I think, my opinion, the majority of the time, it's because we're living in a fallen world and it's a sin issue for a lot of people, especially Christians who constantly live in this state of anxiety when we're told in scripture we are not to be anxious and we're not to worry, but we have this constant fear of what's going to happen tomorrow and all these things that you have to do in your life, which overlaps a lot of topics we've had about doing too much or being too independent or trying to take on the world ourselves. We're not trusting in the Lord with these things because we're going to, we live in a fallen world. We live with sinful people. Bad things are going to happen and we can't cling to ourselves as the hope that we have to get through everything, which gets to our one single thought here in a minute. But there, that gray area where worry can cross into a state of anxiety that's very sinful, that's very, very possible, especially for Christians, definitely for lost people, for unbelievers. But I think there also can be a, a medical thing going on and mm-hmm. that can be hard to determine for some people. So Heather, let's, let's talk about what if you know somebody who's struggling with worry and anxiety. And I, I think we both have indicated that the struggle is real for Christians and non-Christians. It doesn't matter whether mm-hmm. you follow Christ or not. We, we, we often battle that. Uh, what would you have them start to do? You and I both agree. I think the first thing to do if you're dealing with constant anxiety, so not just um, circumstantial worries over something that's going on, but if you're just constantly anxious and you don't really know why, um, first thing to do is go to your doctor, get checked out just to make sure there's nothing going on because medical condition, diseases and heart issues, hormonal issues, those all can affect you mentally, cause anxiety, cause stress. So that's definitely the first thing you want to do is get checked out by a doctor. And I will say these things I'm mentioning here, I think they should all be done simultaneously in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just do one at a time, but just start really attacking it and trying to figure out what's causing it. But first of all, get checked out by your physician just to make sure there's nothing going on physically. But then seek counseling from a mature believer. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Not necessarily an official counselor but just somebody who's been there who's wiser who who is strong in their walk with the lord and seek their advice maybe there's someone who's been where you are maybe if you're a single parent and you're dealing with just the anxiety of raising kids on your own and you have to you're not really sure what tomorrow is going to bring and you're just constantly worrying go to a wiser older parent so say if you're a woman go to a a older woman who's her children are grown and she's been there she knows what it's like whatever situation you're in just seek out someone who's wiser and who can point you to biblical answers and how to deal with it but then while you're meeting with that person you know make sure you're also spending time in god's word and praying and not not just making that a cop-out answer but that the spiritual side of this is very important. We can't just say it's all your brain. It's all, you know, just outside stress that's causing this. Like, what is going on with you spiritually? 
So go to the Word, see what God's Word says about His promises and what you should be doing when you feel anxious. How do you respond to it? So asking the Lord to reveal where this, if there is sin, where is it? What's going on with you? Is there mm -hmm. something that you're not dealing with that needs to be dealt with? And meeting with somebody, a wise counsel like that will help you figure that out as well. But sometimes you might need to seek out a professional counselor. So if you are dealing with a lot of anxiety, you've prayed, you, you know what the scripture says about it, you believe it, you've ad asked advice from other people. If it's still not resolving, maybe you need to go talk to someone who's got some professional counseling and that background where they can really help you. And we, we, from our perspective, will recommend for Christians to seek counseling that is based in a biblical worldview. So you're not getting those ideologies that are counter-Christian. And the type of counselor you visit will vary. Different Christians have different opinions on um, what type of counselor you should be seeing if you um, are a believer. There's biblical counseling, and then there's more of a secular approach, a more cognitive approach to counseling, and going to your doctor to get medication. Rose, what is the balance between those different approaches, biblical counseling, secular counseling, seeking medication? Do you have an opinion on that? What are, you, what are your thoughts? I believe there should be a process before you go directly to medication. I think often in the culture, and, and Heather may share this a little bit in a little bit, but oftentimes medication is the first thing that anybody wants to do. Give me something that I can mm -hmm. pop and it'll make me feel better. Give me the Xanax. Give me the Xanax, yes. And I, and I am not anti-medication. I mean, I will give a short testimony that I myself am, am on anti-anxiety medication. And I went on it back in 2011. I have... As I've mentioned on here before, I have rheumatoid arthritis and I deal with chronic pain. And when I went to see my rheumatologist at one point, he, I was just not feeling well and I was not eating, but I was gaining weight. I was crying all the time and I don't know, just all sorts of things that he went down a list about and he said, well, I'm going to do blood work and if you're not having a flare, I think that you have a chemical imbalance. And so oftentimes that's exactly what the problem is. And that's what the problem was with me. But there should be a process before going directly to medication. I was a little bit iffy about even going that route. And I, at the time I shared it with my accountability partner and asked her to work with me on, is there sin that you see in my life? And help me, you know, point me in the direction if it is. And, and then I spent time in the word before the believer, I think you need to first start to think about how's your spiritual life and help get that in order. But let me also say that, and Heather said this earlier, it almost needs to be done simultaneously because oftentimes it is hard for someone, if they have a medical, physical issue, to not, they can't focus on reading scripture and praying because their anxiety is so bad that mm -hmm. sometimes they need the medication to be able to get into the word. And so I believe that there needs to be, that needs to happen first. But anybody that's dealing with anxiety, I always would recommend to go to a physician first. Go to your primary care, ask them to run some tests. If you're a woman, you might go to your gynecologist because... As Heather said earlier, it could be hormone related. 
and that way they can see that physically if you're having any issues. From there, I think that's when, as a believer, you move into a time of discerning how can I get my how can I get back on track? And you can't do it. We said this. This was a single thought about our about living in community in your local church. You can't do it. No man is an island. You can't do it by yourself. So whether that's an accountability partner, whether you ask a mature believer to meet with you to help get you focused back in the Word, whether that's just being a part of your local church and being committed to attending the attending Bible study, being in the service, focusing on that and having accountability, whatever it is that you do, you're going to need help to do it. And I think biblical counseling is a great option if you're at a point where you really need even more structured help. Mm-hmm. So if I sit down with somebody to kind of be a mentor or an accountability to them, doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to we're going to work through any sort of issues in their life. They just need to get back on track. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's say they're on medication for anxiety or maybe they're not, but they've got these issues and we'll go to scripture to see where scripture can, can address that. And that's really what biblical counseling is about is treating quote unquote, the issue by going to the truth. If you go to non-biblical counseling uh, and, and when I say non-biblical, there's different types of counseling with believer, you know, Christian counselor. But if you go to non-biblical counselors, they're not necessarily going to point you back to scripture. In fact, 99% of them will not, unless they are a Christian counselor that is, they're trained to do that. So you have to make a decision if you want to go to a biblical or non-biblical counselor, and maybe you, you want to go to a counselor that isn't a biblical counselor, but they are a Christian then they can help you work through some things with your anxiety. But I think that it's a combination of physical need, what maybe is off in your system, or maybe it, maybe it's just an adjustment of diet, adding vitamins, who knows. But a, a doctor should be able to help you. And from there, a determination of whether or not that you need counseling and whether or not that's biblical or non-biblical. Um, if you're not a believer, obviously you're probably not going to go to biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are a believer, whether you go through sp- official biblical counseling, I believe you really need the counsel of someone mature and wiser. Have gone, They've gone longer on the journey than you have to help you focus and get, your, get, get you back into the Word and into a place where you can focus on growing spiritually. So Heather, as we close, how do we combat what the culture tries to tell us about worry and anxiety? Well, again, in our opinion, in my opinion, I think we tend to claim anxiety way too quickly that, in other words, claim that I'm just an anxious person mm-hmm. and kind of languish in that and make make it our identity that we're just anxious mm-hmm. and we can't really help it and and that's just the way it is and I've got to learn to handle it and and just chalk it all up to that without really digging down and saying okay wait maybe there's something deeper here I think the culture is very much on the the self-help train where they 
they constantly tell you, and I guess they're well-meaning, they're trying to encourage you in situations. So if you're facing a difficult situation, they say, you got this. We, we've said this before in previous yes. episodes, how much we hate that phrase, because we don't know if we got this. I mean, anything can happen, and we trust the Lord with our future. That's, you know, it's Christians, that's who we trust, and we... No, he is sovereign and he is in control of what's going to happen. So we, we don't got this. That's our one single thought is that we have no control and to worry over something and to just make constant anxiety over life. How we're going to just make that how we choose to live is just not good to be in that situation where you, you, I'm just going to be an anxious person. That's how I have to deal with my life. And um, all my life, I'll just be this way because I'm anxious and there's nothing I can do about it because I've got to have this. I've got, I've got to got this. I've got to be in control. <laughs> and that's what we're hearing from society constantly telling us that we've, that we have the power to fix ourselves. And if you don't have that power or if you can't do it, then that causes more anxiety which is a vicious circle and we can't shake that on our own. You know, Heather, I was just thinking while you were sharing that, that I think one thing we have to keep in mind is that worry and anxiety have been around since the fall. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the passage in Genesis three, when Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned, they had done wrong. And their eyes were, it, it says in Genesis 3, 7, their, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then it says in verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And later Adam tells God that he was afraid. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, when, the, when they made the fig cover, sewed fig leaves together as a covering, knew they were naked, knew they had done wrong, doesn't say that in, in the scripture, but they obviously were fearful and I'm sure were worried what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. when, when, you, when you do have worry and you have anxiety, don't be ashamed of that or don't feel like that's not normal because it is very normal for all of us. What we're trying to point out is that God is the only person that can get us through those situations. Mm -hmm. And we have to focus on him and not ourselves because we are not able to do it. That's why we don't got this. Yes. All right, Rose, do you have a anxiety related one random thought? <laughs> I do. My one random singing thought Ooh. is high anxiety. What's that from? It's from an old Mel Brooks movie okay. called High Anxiety. And he sings it. And is, that, is that a play on high society? I think so. Okay. Yes. I believe so. That was the one song that fit. And it was about anxiety. Great. <laughs> According to the National Institutes of Health, chronic anxiety increases your risk of heart disease, diabetes, substance abuse, 
chronic respiratory diseases, and gastrointestinal conditions. Oh. So, if we live with anxiety, we're going to have... We're, we're going to be sickly. We're going to be at increased risk for all of those terrible things. So, that is what I call high anxiety. So, Heather, what's our one Ricky thought today? Well, I'm going to mix it up and give us some non-anxiety or unanxious thoughts for nice. Ricky. Just to give you some lighthearted laughter. We need levity. Yes. My one Ricky thought is, what is this magical window? <laughs> <laughs> I've had Ricky, I've, he's been in my household for about a year and a half now. It's hard to believe. It seems That's like hard I just got believe. him yesterday. And he has just now discovered in the last couple of weeks, he has just now discovered the TV. That's ta he's taking a while to figure that out, yeah. though. That's good. And I mean that, by that I mean, he's just now discovered that people and animals and things appear on the TV. <laughs> and he's become very fascinated with the local news. Mm. And I don't know why. I think it's because there's people standing looking at the cameras. There's people looking at him. Mm -hmm. He also, I, I had America's Funniest Home Videos on one night and... He, there, I think there were dogs on the screen, and he immediately ran to the TV and was trying to get up and looking at these dogs on TV. <laughs> I think there might have been a cat or two as well. And so I thought, hmm, I should go on YouTube and look up those videos they make for cats. Those, yeah. those entertainment. They're, all it is is just scenes of nature, mm -hmm. and you can put it on for your cat, and it looks real, and they can go crazy. So I found a video on YouTube of birds mm. and it was just this park scene and there's birds with bird seed on a table on a picnic bent, a picnic table and the birds were flying to eat the seeds and there's a camera right there. So the, the birds are pretty big right there at the camera. Ricky is fascinated, <laughs> fascinated with this video. He jumps up on the TV um, table where I have the TV setting and he jumps up on there and he has his face practically plastered to the TV screen <laughs> because there's birds right there. And he's like, where, why can I not get to these birds? They seem so to be funny. in this magical window because then he goes behind it. He goes behind the TV trying to find these birds. <laughs> like, wait, there's no back to this window. It's, it's magic. These birds are just there and i can't get to them somehow they're in this magical wonderland in this window <laughs> and not for a really long time because he'll eventually go away but for a good this morning he sat in front of the tv for probably a good three to five minutes just staring at the local news wow <laughs> he's up on his current events and his sports and weather he likes to be in the know he, he likes to be it's in the very... know very interesting so i'm going to start um trying to find some more videos for him on youtube that he can uh, cat appropriate yes videos to see how he reacts little fish like fish tanks and fish mm -hmm. in the water are very good for cats too yeah. so I mean, not that I, I don't want him to be a tv junkie a couch you potato. might have to start limiting his screen time <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty funny because it's like I'll be, I'll have the news on or something and not really pay attention. And then all of a sudden Ricky will sit up really, he'll be on the couch. He'll sit up straight 
staring at the TV and run to the TV and sit down like they're saying something very important. I need to pay attention. Like, what did you hear, Ricky? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, Is the world ending? Yeah, he's like our own Amber Alert. <laughs> uh, so funny. All right. More levity for us, Rose. What is her one single question? Our one single question tonight is, name a time you thought you got this and it turned out you didn't. So, Heather. We're going funny with this one. We are going funny. So, let's hear it. (laughs) Uh, Pre-pandemic. So, we were before the the good old days. Back in the good old days of pre-pandemic work life. I was in the office. I was microwaving my bowl of chili. <laughs> and there were other people in there, probably about three or four other people in there. We, we had a bunch of microwaves in the break room, and so everybody's heating up their lunch. I go to take my bowl out of the microwave and proceed to spill it. Not just spill it, but spill it all the way down the cabinet, all over the refrigerator, and all over the floor. And I saw it happen, you know, when something like that happens, it happens in slow motion. Right, yes. Yeah, like and it I'm lasts thinking, five I minutes. can catch it. And I just, it just <laughs> dumped everywhere. And I just kind of stood there and looked at it. And in my head, I thought I had it. And apparently I didn't. <laughs> and it was all over the floor. This sweet lady who said i will go i'll go call the um custodial crew and ask if they can come over here and because basically at that point i'm on the floor on my hands and knees with paper towels trying to wipe up this huge mess i don't know how much chili how all that chili could have come out of this little bowl i had but it was a lot Mm -hmm. so i managed to get all the excess cleaned up i did i do think the custodial crew came eventually but for a few days after that, there was this huge orange stain because we had <laughs> this rubberized floor in through there. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it was like my my mark I had left for weeks of this huge orange stain. I should go back up to that floor sometime and see if there's still the stain there mm-hmm. like where I, I left my remnants. But I definitely did not have that. I thought I did, but I didn't. So here's the big question, this, just the pressing question on my mind: What did you end up eating for lunch? Because uh, obviously the, all the chili. I don't remember. Out. I guess I had whatever was left in my lunch bag. I threw. I brought. I'm sure I brought snacks or something, but mm, I don't okay. think I ate much of anything because I, with my celiac disease, I can't really mm-hmm. just go. Go to the restaurant next door and get something, so. I don't really remember what I ate. Probably not much. (laughs) Anyway, what about you, Rose? I'm sure you've got one. Oh, I have a plethora, but we'll use one that's probably one of the most recent. So, of course, as as you all know, I'm in a wheelchair. Most of the time, I walk around some. And there was a former employee of mine that was going to come. He was in town, and I haven't seen him in... Well, in person, I haven't seen him since 2019, and he was in town, and we were he was going to come by and see me. So I was very excited, and so I was trying to get everything caught up before he got here, and I had to mm-hmm. go take my medicine, that my afternoon medicine, and so I went, got my pills, and I was in my wheelchair. Now, I had my prosthetic on, so I could have walked over there, but I opted not to because... 
Sometimes you just could go faster in the wheelchair than you can yeah. walking. And I got the pills out, and I was hurrying around, scurrying to try to get, you know, get it, stuff done. And I went to take those pills, and I wasn't paying attention, and I dropped one. Well, I'll be honest, it's not easy to pick up something on the floor on your prosthetic side. So it dropped mm -hmm. on the side of my prosthetic. In the back of my mind, I thought, maybe I'll just wheel around to my other side because then I can bend down and get it much easier. Sometimes as an above knee, the prosthetic is sort of in your way to get, yeah. you know, reach to the floor. But, oh no, I thought I had this. And so <laughs> I thought, I can bend down and get this. So not only did I, I, str I straightened out my prosthetic leg so I could, you know, get it a little lower. I was a little lower in the chair. And I didn't lock my chair, which is problem number one. You should always <laughs> lock your chair when you're getting ready to do something. And I slipped right out of that chair when I bent down or reached down to get the pill. And I was like, are you kidding me? So here I am with this employee coming anyhow when he you weren't injured i wasn't right? injured and so it, you know i finally got up just your pride just my pride because he came <laughs> in and i was still trying to get up into my wheelchair and he helped me so that was you know i said hey didn't expect to walk in on this did you but it's taught me to be more yeah. more mindful of locking my chair and so a lot of people some friends of mine said why didn't you just leave the pill on the ground <laughs> Well, I'm a little too OCD to do something that crazy. So, yeah, I thought for sure I could do it. And lo and behold, I did not have this. I guess that's more of our embarrassing moments, really. Yeah. That's what yeah. that is. Mm -hmm. Well, we learned her lesson. We but, did. And that's not really, uh, I guess that's not really anxiety related. Although I think I was kind of anxious when I dumped all that chili and embarrassed myself in front of everyone. And I was anxious because I knew yeah. he was coming <laughs> And I needed to get back in my chair, and I had to figure out how to do that. And oh, <laughs> yes, gosh. yeah, we don't got this. Trust we don't me. got this. No. All right, that's our episode for today. We'll be back in two weeks on Wednesday, September twenty seventh. And until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed one single thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 